You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show. Our goal here is to find the best thinkers, teachers, speakers in all of the world of dentistry to share some wisdom so you can create a better practice and a better life. And we're going to do exactly that today with an amazing teacher. His name is Dr. Marco Brindis. And we talk about the treatment of the indentulous patient and what you need to consider moving forward in the future. It's a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I get to do the coolest job in the world. I get to talk to great experts, great friends, great thinkers in dentistry, and they get to share great insight with you, the podcast listener, so you guys can create a better practice and a better life. And today we're going to be talking about the treatment of the indentulous patient with a dear friend of mine, Dr. Marco Brindis. Marco, thank you so much for being back, buddy. I appreciate you. Hey man, it's been a while. It's been too long, and uh, and I really appreciate you. I, I, I really do, and we always have a good time. So I'm very happy to be here today with you. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. And so you sent me the text, and just to give you a little background, so Marco and I have been friends for a long time, primarily through the Seattle Study Club and study clubs alike. And so we've always had fun at the Seattle Study Club Symposium, and you've been on the show many times before, done a master class. Um, and you, uh, always a valuable part. And then you took out a big venture. It's a very big venture. Can you tell our listeners? I always want people to know who they're listening to. So give us a little bio in what you've been up to just in the last two years. Wow. It's, uh, it's been a quite a, quite a ride. Uh, I was in academia for 16 years at LSU, uh, multiple different uh, positions at, at the dental school. I was head of the department at some point. Uh, really, really an amazing experience. But I was missing being with patients, truly. Um, I, 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 I have to say, truly, I, I miss LSU for sure. I always will. And uh, I cannot, I don't regret all the time that I spent in LSU. It was a blessing. I, I got to spend a lot of time with great men. 
And uh, I, I would not be where I am right now without having that experience at LSU. So I have what I want to say thank you to LSU. But, you know, you have to move. It's, it's just like being with your parents that you're very happy living with your parents. But now it's time to experience the world on your on your own. And that's when uh, three years ago I, I, I retired from LSU and, 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 and start looking for a practice and found this prosthodontic practice in, in the New Orleans area. And, uh, and it has been an amazing experience, uh, mostly. And, and I have to say, scary, but a lot of fun. That scary fun of, of going to school for the first time, you know, that you have these butterflies and all the things that you need to know that I didn't know about to run a practice or everything. But it's very exciting uh, where we are right now uh, to develop your own team, uh, to develop your own uh, uh, patience and uh, and, and, you know, my goal is always to take care of, to reach the hearts of the patients and, and to have the team to do that. It's, it's been such a, a rewarding experience. So I'm very happy uh, to be here and, 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 and being this part of my life. Yeah, we're so excited for you, buddy. I knew this was going to be something that you probably had to do at some point in your career. And just like you've championed everything else prior to it, I know you're going to do really well. And I'll just say this, you guys, he is a phenomenal educator. Uh, and he comes from a long line of education. And you even, I mean, I didn't even, last time we were on the podcast, we talked about how you knew Bill Robbins as a kid. Like, who gets that? Yes. Who gets that privilege? Can you just tell that story real quick? Just because you're not a newbie sure. to the education world, like you've been Absolutely. following dental education at a high level for a long time. Absolutely. So my grandmother, my father's mother, was a teacher. Then my my dad was a dentist and a teacher, and founder of two dental schools in Mexico City. Uh, so I grew up being surrounded by very a uh, passionate, highly educated dentist surrounded by really good people like Bill Robbins. So my dad used to lecture everywhere. And and as you know, Bill Robbins has been, is one of my favorite teachers of all times. Uh, well, my dad was my T1, my favorite teacher of all times. And imagine I got to see my dad and Bill Robbins lecturing together. Wow. And I was, I was still a kid and I was still seeing a uh, sorry bill they need to know that you're a lot <laughs> older than me but <laughs> uh, it's uh it was an amazing experience and he always took me under his wing and he we are we are best friends we are family we're uh, I, that's the way we see each other uh he uh, he and my, and my dad they, they were so close uh to each other and uh, and you can see actually there's a picture of my dad right here i'm not sure if you can see but that's a picture when he's gathering uh a, a an award from the president of Mexico, uh, and he was uh, he was the the health provider of the year at some point. Uh, so I was always exposed to this uh, uh, lecturing career in 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 teaching, and and he's one of my passions for sure. Is teaching, and teaching from the purpose of not um, not by by preaching, but mostly by listening, mostly, and kind of like uh, generate discussions and, and, and kind of uh, get into the things that we love so much about this profession. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I grew up being a dentist. I, I, I remember being in my dad's lab when I was six years old, and, and that was phenomenal. And when I was six years old, I told my dad that I wanted to be a prosthodontist. 
so I knew exactly what I, not too many kids know they, what they're going to do when they grow up. But I said, not a dentist. I want to be a prosthodontist. And, and thank God I got the, the means. I had the support from my parents and teachers uh, to take me where I am right now. And I'm, I'm very blessed to, to do what I love the most. Yeah. You are awesome. I just, I'm so grateful that you're even here. And today we're going to be talking about something that you teach. It's the treatment of the indentulous patient. Now let's talk about the why first. Walk us through this because this is going to be somewhat, you know, of a gut check or a little bit controversial because it comes up a lot, but like, let's talk bigger picture first. Why is this such a hot topic for people that you teach to? Wow. In my practice, um, just letting you know, the projection is actually true. There was a, uh, there was one article from the Mayo Clinic in 2013, and they they had the projection with the baby boomers to have 40 million edentulous people in the United States. 40 million. The projection was perfectly fine, and actually we reached a little bit over 40 million by the by the year 2020. Uh, so there's a big need, and just to put it into perspective. Missing your teeth is just like missing any other limb in your body. It's like missing a leg. It's like, and I, I actually use frequently the analogy uh, when patients come to me and say, you know, I have had too many problems on my teeth. Why don't we just take them out and give me some dangers? And they believe that that would be a, a good choice, a good, a good move. And I always tell them, be careful what you ask for. Imagine that you're having problems on your knees and I'm trying to treat your knees and you're saying, you know, I had enough. And you tell me, why don't you just cut off my legs and give me some wooden legs? That's exactly what you're asking me for, wooden legs, because you're never going to be able to walk the same. You're never going to be able to run again. So just think about that. I can make you look very good. I am very meticulous to deliver something that looks real. And I tell them, it doesn't matter if I do crowns, veneers, uh, composite, or, or dentures. I'm going to make them look natural to you. But that's not the problem. That's easy. The, the, the big part is how to make them functional. And how can I get you back in function? And my main goal as a prosthodontist is not actually to save teeth. It's to give you health. It's to provide you with the function that you need. And sometimes that is by saving teeth. Hopefully, I always hope that the solution will be by saving teeth. But not always is the case. And I sometimes I have to make the radical decision. They actually sacrifice some considered good teeth with good bone support for the sake of having good health for the patient and good function. Yeah. Now that's going to be the controversial part. We've always been taught save teeth, you know, save teeth, save teeth, save the teeth. And I love, you know, you and I, before we hit the go button, you said this, you say, I say this to patients, you know, I'm not here to treat your teeth. I'm here to help you get healthier, you know, to treat the function. And so, and you said, sometimes teeth get in the way. Now walk us through this because I know somebody could be listening to this and this is where you're, you know, you get, you get a little antsy and, you know, it gets a little tense talking about this. So where do I start, Marco? in this process? I, I have to get, uh, that we have to talk about this in an open way. Right. Uh, there's, you, everybody's feeling afraid to say, I'm going to extract this good tooth. Everybody feel ashamed or the other way around. I know there is abuse 
of extracting teeth for cookie cutter protocols, you know, cookie cutter protocols that because you have down one protocol, uh, for example, an implant, um, a screw implant prosthesis, implant supported prosthesis, right? That they're very conventional, the, 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 the typical all on four. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fantastic to have protocols like that. But understand that as a dentist, as a good dentist, you cannot be a cookie cutter. You cannot just feed every patient that comes to your practice to that protocol. Every patient has completely different needs with completely different problems. And we have to adapt and follow whatever the patient needs. And yes, it is sometimes that we need to actually get rid of everything, even cut bone to get this type of prosthesis. And in some cases are absolutely indicated. But understanding that to make it as your standard protocol is not a good thing. Let's start saying that because I don't want to come across through this uh, podcast. I want to be honest, but I don't want to be point out like, oh, this guy just wants to cut off all the teeth and just to to make to make his protocols. That's not the case at all. And always trying to be as conservative as possible. My dad, going back to this, taught me early in life when I was six years old, he told me, son, when you see your patients, always treat them like your own family. You know, he always told me that. Well, later in life, actually upgraded that saying. And I said, I tell my patients, my dad told me that, but you know what I think? Now that I have kids, I can tell you one thing. I like to treat my patients the same way I would like my daughter to be treated. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, that's how careful I am to choose to treat the patient. So going back to when, think about being at war and you suddenly got injured and suddenly your your, your leg, going back to the legs, got really injured. And the doctor has to make a decision right there on the spot. Should I save the leg or should I save the patient's life? And sometimes they needed to amputate that leg to make make uh, to uh, to intercept that infection and pass it to the rest of the body, right? So it's pretty much with the same analogy. At the end, what is more important than a tooth is the patient. Yeah, so true. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, so true. And then you know, if I'm a dentist listening, give me some scenarios on you know. I'm thinking first in extraction implant, denture, and I know we're not going to make this a standard, but give me some scenarios that you're thinking. And then if, if you want, let's go through FB1, FB2, FB3. I mean, you take us on this journey. Where do we start? Okay. Uh, to tell you the truth, it's not been so long that I know these terms, FB1, FB2, FB3. Right. But I think I am glad that I learned them because it, it does uh, – it's easier to talk to the patients. It's easier to talk to the professionals to know when to do what. FP1 is when when you are going to place implants, when you're going to have a full arch of implants, and the only thing that you're going to be restoring or need to be restored are the teeth. So you have perfect bone. You have perfect gum line, right? Perfect gingiva, perfect gingival margins, and now you're just going to restore the teeth. So you just extract uh, 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 teeth and replace them with uh, implants, and then you do crown and bridge and just having an FP1. That's whole FP1. I'm going to now go to FP3. Patients that 
bone that has a lot of resorption. Now, uh, the resorption not only vertically, but horizontally with lack of, of lip support. Now we have to restore more than teeth. Now it's about to restore teeth, gingiva, and bone. So you have to restore all that. And that's a clear example of that would be an olon four. When you have a prosthesis that has the teeth, it has the pink ceramic, and then you have the implants, right? So that would be a, an FP3. And the case is, like I say, going back to the cookie cutter, is not to have your mindset that everything you have to convert into an FP3, all right? And there are many things, many considerations to decide one way or another. One of the things that I start by making my decision is based on the patient's health. You know, what's going to be, and there's many systemic diseases, or in my own practice, I need to decide, I need to make these decisions every day. In this type of practice, in prosthodontics, I get to see the end of the end result. I don't get to see the patients that every dentist can see. I get to see the patients that are a complete, a complete mess. So I, I, I constantly say, you know, when, when you have a dentist, it's like having a contractor in your house. Your house still there, comes there, fix the room, fix the door, fix the windows, fix the roof. You know, when the patients come to me, they're looking for an architect. How can we build back the house and get it in functions? Because it's already too much damage. And sometimes I have to demolish that house and build from the bottom up. And sometimes I have a chance to has good bones. The house had good bones. Now I can go ahead and renovate it and have a good quality for a long term and, and, and save that house. But sometimes I don't have that luxury and I have to start from scratch. Yeah. Fly into the eye of the hurricane. So as I can imagine, you're a prosthodontist, a very, very excellent one. You're not doing these cases by yourself. There are other dental professionals you have to communicate with. Orthodontists, periodontists, GPs. How do you manage that dynamic? Just give us an insight on, on how, you, how you do that. Absolutely. Uh, and you will notice that it's a huge difference to talk to a periodontist and an endodontist than an oral surgeon. It's a completely different mindset. And it's completely understandable. And I'm not saying there's no wrong and right. It's understandable that, for example, a periodontist, what's their main, uh, their main uh, goal of a periodontist? Let's try to save your teeth. Let's try to, to maintain the bone around your teeth, healthy around your teeth, so you stop having any bone resorption, right? So they do their best, and they're doing an excellent job. I applaud them to still trying to save teeth. That's wonderful, right? Endodontist. They're trying to keep the tooth. They're trying to keep a tooth with PDL, right? Instead of extracting a tooth together with the PDL and having an implant. I am always on the side of the tooth. Understand that part. I'm always on the side of the tooth when it's possible. And then you talk to a neural surgeon, they're going to have a more aggressive, uh, they, they have a bigger, a bigger view of the problem, all right? So... This is going to be easier to comprehend for them when I tell them, you know, can you please extract all these teeth? They don't even question. You're like, yes, I understand. I do that all the time. I do a lot of demolitions. They are trained to extract teeth. 
not to scale, not to save them, not to put medicine on the teeth, but they are trained to extract teeth. So it's a completely different mindset. So just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a periodontist friend of mine, and she, she referred a patient to me for, for treatment. I After evaluation and analyzing all the different pros and cons, we came out to the conclusion, I came out to the conclusion, and uh, and recommended to the patient to extract the remaining teeth and have dentures. And the patient was okay. But my periodontist called me, hey, wait a second. I've been maintaining these teeth for so long. What's going on? Why do you saying that now you're going to shrink the teeth when I can save these teeth? He's like, I, I completely agree with you. And I told her about what I talked to the patient. She's like, but I have to keep in mind that my ultimate goal is to treat the patient's health. And sometimes that means to extract good-looking teeth, okay? In this particular case, let me just guide you my thought process with this particular case. The patient is in mid-60s, late 60s, let's say 67 uh, woman. Uh, They have history of generalized periodontitis for a long time. But here's the thing. It's not generalized periodontitis only, okay? It also has a history of multiple restorations, large restorations. So every single tooth in her mouth has some sort of restoration, crowns. Uh, so that's another category of patient. It's not the patient that for some reason just the bone will start to go away, but it's a combination of both. So now in order for me to you have a restorative need other than the, the, the bone. I, I understand that you keep you can keep that good. Now, in order for me to restore the patient, I have to now do a full mouth reconstruction. Now I have to prep every tooth and I have to do crowns and everything. On teeth, there are not there are questionable that don't, don't have an ideal prognosis. So think about that. That's when the financial point comes to a play it comes to there's 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 a hey we we live in a material world and i'm a material boy right <laughs> so no just kidding so but truly it is true we have to be honest on where we live and it's a reality that there's a financial decision as well yeah okay and we have to go for that so i i tell my patient look if by any chance you have $1 million under your mattress, my treatment plan would be, let's go ahead and try to save all this teeth, get a full mouth reconstruction. And, and if it doesn't work, I mean, we try, then we strike the teeth and we can probably have some implants and then restore. That would be the right answer. The right answer is that. And I actually would try to say every single tooth, every time, if I was having all the money in the world for my patients. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that they cannot, they have to put their, their, their whole money in one basket, in one problem only. They cannot tackle the problem multiple times. They have one shot. And right. when they give you one shot, you have to make a decision based on how long is that treatment, I can not guarantee, but I can predict is going to last. And if that treatment, I know... It has a high high chances of not lasting. That's when I kind of have to rethink and see how what would be the thing that it would last longer for my right. patient. 
Yeah. Okay. I love it. Keep going. Keep going. So in this particular patient, she comes here, has some mobility, has class two mobility. Okay. Uh, edentulous spaces. So think about it as a prosthodontist. Okay. You have teeth and you have edentulous spaces. Let's do a partial. You know how there's, there's different academies. I'm, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't want to put them on the spot. However, very, very, very uh, 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 high-end academies that I'm a member of, they, they actually give a name to, to partial dentures. And it's the, the long-term extraction device. You see these pieces with wires and everything. And as much as we learn and as much as we taught students how to have a passive fit, you tell me, does he really have a passive fit? No. You know why? Because it depends on the hands of every patient. Because sometimes they put it this way, sometimes they put it the other way, and they apply extra uh, stress on other teeth. Because sometimes they put it in the mouth, they dump it in the mouth, and then they position biting down. So there are many times that constantly you are using forceps on those teeth. So the periodontal has completely intact to go that route. So now you have periodontal problems, and I'm going to do a partial, and I'm going to do survey crowns. That start adding up crowns, survey crowns, and then and then uh, having a partial, and on teeth that are not periodontally solid. It just makes you think, how, how long this is going to last? Right. And again, if the patient tells me it's okay, I'll do it. And when I need another thing, then we go another another route. Fine, but it's un unthinkable that that's going to happen. So in this particular case, for example, there were, uh, if I remember well, the premolars have root canal with ex still existing PL lesion, extensive PL lesion infection. All right. So let's calculate the, the odds, right? So to, for me to save them, I have to retreat the tooth. By retreating the tooth, we are decreasing the prognosis of that tooth, right? And then I have to add crown, a crown that is going to be in a tooth that is not very strong, a tooth that is more fragile. And then I'm going to add clasp around that. That's one thing. Then I continue with the front. In the front teeth, have a class two mobility on the centrals, right? Some decay, uh, not necessarily crowns. Uh, and then I move to the other side, the same scenario, premolars, first premolar only with a, with a PA lesion and a distal extension. The patient chief complaint, very important to listen what the patient wants. Of course, that's the main thing. Listen what the patient wants, but we cannot stop there. Because if we only do what the patient wants, what are we here for? What are we starting for if the patient is going to tell us what to do? No, no, no. It's to listen, and then you have to propose the best course of action for the patient with the dentist's knowledge. I always tell them, when you come to me and tell me what kind of material you want me to use and stuff, it's just like, come on. Do you go to the cardiologist and you tell them what kind of stand do you want, what brand, what brand of stand you want in your heart? No, come on. You have to trust me, otherwise this is not going to work. I am the one that knows. I know I'm the one that has all the training to do this, and you're, you're coming here to get you my best, right? So I listen to the patient, but at the same time, I have to propose what is best. All right. So I, but again, 
I talk to the patient and I tell them, what's the scenario here? One last thing that I didn't mention. The patient doesn't like the appearance of the teeth. The patient doesn't like to have the black triangles in between the teeth because of the of the recession that she has. All right. So come on. So if she tells me I would like to address my smile, I have to tell her I can't. I cannot do it with the teeth that you have right there. I just can't. Why? Because can I do some sort of porcelain with, with pink? I know anybody can tell you, oh, there's pink porcelain. How hard is to really do pink porcelain that looks good and that can be hygienic at the same time? It's very difficult. And you have, I know you have had Christian Coachman many times, and he used to teach, uh, before the DSD, he used to teach a lot on pink ceramic and, and the interface and everything. And he, was, he used to say, the more aesthetic you make it, the least cleansable is going to be. Okay, so there's a lot of considerations to make and, and in fixed prosthodontics around periodontal condition in pink ceramic, it's not gonna work. Not to mention in these patients, because of the bone resorption, you don't have enough lip support and it's affecting them facially. Now, when we have to be careful because when we talk about aesthetics, we have the tendency to judge people like, oh, they're so superficial, they just care about aesthetics. I mean, just? Just, it's not just, it's your mental health. It's how do you present yourself to others. And it's perfectly fine. We all, we are all vain, okay? And at the end, it's just like Mr. Miyagi says. It's all about balance. Yeah. It's all about balance. And yes, yes, it's important. As long as you don't go crazy on that and you forget about the health because you want the appearance to be better. No, it's a balance. And at the end, what God gave us is balance. It just gave us a, a, a balanced face, a balanced body that happens to be very aesthetic. Mm -hmm. That the more we have that symmetry, we, we are healthy. And the healthier we are, we are prettier. And that's a reality. So we want to have that balance when we provide the patient with the function that they need in natural look making the patient look absolutely perfect, wonderful, and they have a good smile and have a quality of life. There's a reason why God gave us a, a capacity and muscles to smile, right? And we don't want to shut that down. And we all know that the more you smile, the healthier you get. And there's no doubt. This is a fact. This is not my opinion. We all know that smile actually creates a much better healthy uh, state of the, of the, of the body. Yeah. So that's huge. So for me, it's telling me that. So when we were discussing this with my periodontist, she said, but look at these canines. They're big. They're pretty much intact, just this, this cavity over there. But pretty much they're there. They're perfect. Why don't we just work around those? And I said, okay, let me take a look on the patient again. And what I can do then as stage because at the end, we were just having this discussion to save the canines. Okay? So, and I completely, and don't get me wrong, I won't judge anybody that tells me I want to save the canines and work around them with a prosthesis. Fine. I'm perfectly fine with it. 
I think we just have to work in a way that we have a plan A that can connect directly to the plan B. So in other words, what I'm saying is when I treatment plan these cases, I try to come up with a plan A that as actually is the beginning of a plan B. That is not a completely separate treatment that you have to pay two treatments, but actually plan B, plan A is it's a it's a is part one of the plan B. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in other words, put everything set up so in the future the patient wants to add up implants, we can always that add that to the prosthesis without starting from scratch. Yeah. So well said, my friend. And I know this only opens the door to more conversations. I'm gonna have you back again and again. We're gonna cover a lot of different topics. And uh, I know I can't keep you all day. I love talking to you. I love hanging out with you. But uh, I want you to give us some final last thoughts if I'm listening to this. And, you know, and then I, I do want you to talk about um, what you do, your lectures and things like that. But before we do that, give us some final thoughts on. Well, uh, at the end, like I said before, I think the final thought is to have these type of conversations to yourself, to your staff, to your patient, to your with your colleagues, with your different specialists. Have these conversations in an honest way, always keeping in mind what I said. Treat the patient like your own family. Treat the patient like the way you want your, your most precious love in your life to be treated, you know? And when you keep that in mind, make the decisions that you have to make and you're gonna be fine. And, and don't don't hesitate to make radical decisions when those radical decisions is going to change the patient's life, when those decisions can reach the patient's heart. Love it. And pretty much, I, I, and I want to just capture like this more than a, a, a specific clinical recommendation, but at the end, just go back to, to the core, in our core, and why are we doing this? And we keep that in mind. You will take good care of the patient financially, as well as health, and you're gonna find that Mr. Miyagi balance of the of the of the different components of making a decision. Yeah, so well said again, my friend. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they want to learn more about you, I want people to follow you. I want people to figure out uh, how to see what you're up to. And then, if you're a study club director and you haven't had Marco out, what are you thinking? You got to have him out. He's a phenomenal educator. Um, Marco, how do I find out more about you? Where do I go? Uh, the email address that I use specifically for lectures, it's marco at smilesbymarco.com. Okay. Awesome. And that's the best way to reach at me also. I'm not sure how you manage that, but, uh, uh, but that, that would be the best way. And once you have that, probably I can contact you and we can discuss a little bit more uh, on what's the topics that you want to cover and everything. But definitely we have different topics to talk about. I, uh, we were discussing this before the, our, our podcast, uh, that we, I, I have uh, lectures on treatment of the edentulous patient, implant-supported prosthesis. And to go over all the different options that we have, that's a different story, right? That once you, you made the decision to extract the teeth, how, what's the type of prosthesis that is best for each particular situation? So we have that in, in, in one of my lectures. And the other one that I, I'm so passionate about is the material selection and even the type of preps that you, you have to use for the new type of materials, stronger materials that we have available. 
in how to make the type of the the type of bonding that we have to use for each material as well as the type of preparation because it changes but the most important thing that i like to teach or to bring to the study clubs is actually to make them think of why it's not just to impose you have to prep like this but understanding the why's is going to give you a lot of versatility on how to accommodate and not be a cookie cutter uh, dentist but actually apply your knowledge and your principles and and make it a unique experience for each patient so that's the kind of the uh, topics that i lecture i have full days to to do that and uh and definitely i i love teaching and i i, I love uh to learn from different study clubs and that keeps me motivated and passionate and and very uh on the edge and very thirsty yeah well you're extremely excellent at it so i'm so pumped to have you here my friend so do me a favor, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. Uh, you can flip up to the notes in Google, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're consuming podcasts, and you're going to see all the things that Marco and I just discussed. We've got them all listed right there. So uh, make sure you follow along and check out some of the great things that he's up to. So Marco, thank you so much for being on today, brother. Really appreciate you, my friend. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I hope you did, do us a favor, hit the share button. Keep sharing this with all of your friends. I don't know how it's working, but I'm super grateful. And uh, we're going to keep bringing it with some of the best minds, best teachers in all of dentistry so you can help create a better practice and a better life. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, Keep watching or keep listening to the Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.